I'll never forget in 2005 as a senior in college, I was on the way, on the way to an event with a few friends um, called the Passion Conference. And we were on the way to Nashville and there were two vehicles. I was driving the vehicle in the rear and a friend of mine, a buddy named Patrick, was driving in front of me and we were carpooling on the way. It's going to be several hours in order to get to uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And I remember um, after a few hours, and we weren't very far at this point, um, I remember he, had, he, he called me and he said, hey man, where are you? And I said, well, uh, I'm behind you. What do you mean, where am I? See, at the time I was driving a, if I remember correctly, it was a, it was a Ford Explorer, a four-door SUV. And he, for whatever reason, I think had inherited his grandmother's uh, silver Buick sedan. Uh, you remember, you remember uh, the Buick sedans. You remember back in the day when they used, used to make the old, the old sedans. And um, I, said, I said, what do you mean? I, you're right in front of me. I can see you. He goes, I promise you, you're not behind me. I'm looking in my rearview mirror. I can't see you. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm looking right at it. I mean, it was, it had, a little time had elapsed. A little distance had separated me and him, but I could still see him. It was a few hundred yards, maybe a quarter of a mile. I have a tendency, um, as my wife can attest to, I have a tendency to sometimes be in Ethan land. Um, it's when my wife and my staff, they, they call it Ethan land. It's, um, they consider it a liability. I consider it a gift. Um, and I have a tendency on occasion to uh, live inside my head and almost be uh, completely ignorant of the things that are happening around me. And I said, man, you're right in front of me. I'll, I'll, I'll pull up. It is starting to get a little bit dark. It was close to dusk. And I said, I'm going to pull up right beside you. I don't know what you're talking about. So I accelerated. Took me a little while. He's a little ways ahead of me. Um, I finally got up beside him and I pull up beside his car and I look over and literally it's like an 80-year-old woman in, in the driver's seat of this silver Buick sedan. And I said, I don't know what happened. But one thing is, I don't see you. Um, what it is, somehow, she had intercepted my path. And exact same car um, had literally got in between us at some point because of the distance that was in between us. And I had no clue. I had actually followed her off the interstate, off an exit, onto a completely different interstate, about 45 miles in the wrong direction, um, nowhere close to Nashville, um, Tennessee. You know... Life has a way of taking you places you didn't want to go. If you've lived any length of time, you understand that reality. And regardless of where life has taken you tonight, I want to share some good news with you about the Christmas story. You see, Christmas isn't primarily about food or uh, presents or gifts. Some of you have done all of your gift shopping already. You have wrapped every present neatly under the tree, and some of us are envious of you and your organizational detail and skill. But Christmas isn't primarily about that. It's not primarily about family or food. All those things are great, but Christmas is primarily about peace, and not just peace in the world, but peace in you. And the peace Jesus offers is so powerful, it's, it's so transformational that the scriptures say it's even greater than our mind's ability to understand it. Short Christmas message for you tonight titled this, Peace Beyond Understanding. 
I'm going to look at a short scripture, perhaps the most unlikely Christmas scripture ever in the history of Christmas sermons. Um, but I believe this scripture will uh, nicely uh, fit nicely for us as we think about the kind of peace that the Christmas story gives us. Philippians, um, in chapter 4, verse 5, uh, Paul, um, he says these words. He says this, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The scripture for us uh, demonstrates the vast differences between two experiences that you and I can have in our lives. One is that of what is referred to as anxiety. Anxiety, it's, 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 it's fear, it's, it's, it's a lot of different things, but it's a feeling, it's an internal sense of something that happens in us that helps us recognize that something is off. And that's one experience, and then the other experience is that of peace. Anxiety versus versus peace. And even in my own life, and yes, um, I have anxiety in my life. I am just a few hours removed from my latest um, moment of anxiety. But even anxiety in my own life, I have learned that anxiety is really just a sign. It's really just a sign. The issue isn't the anxiety itself. It's actually a manifestation of something that's actually producing it. It's a sign that's trying to tell you something, that something is off. Anxiety in our lives is trying to tell us that there's chaos somewhere around us. It's a sign. It's, it's like in your dash, the, the little check engine light. You've seen that light before. Some of you are very familiar with that light on your, your dash. I, you know, as, as many of you are aware, I'm from South Carolina, um, the great state of South Carolina, just a little south of here. And I grew up in uh, Myrtle Beach, or Myrtle Beach is where I call home Dirty Myrtle. And um, grateful, though, to live in the wonderful city of Wilmington. Wilmington is, is amazing. Wilmington is, is like if Myrtle Beach went to grad school. That's what uh, Wilmington, um, that's what Wilmington is, is like. And, um, but growing, in, growing up in South Carolina, there was no such thing as like an inspection, you know, that you had to do on your view. There's no like emissions inspections and things. And the kind of family that I grew up in, like the check engine light, I thought that was normal. I thought it meant that everything's good, the light is on. That is not what it means. Um, the light means something is off, something is terribly um, off. And in a similar way, anxiety is a sign that alerts us, that's telling you, Something is off. And here's what we know. Life is not easy. Life is not easy. It's hard. It's complex. It's challenging. You could say life is war. It's, it's, it's a battle. It's chaos. And it's all around us. And it's, it's hard for all of us. And Yes, in different ways, and we don't all have the exact same road and the exact same journey, but we all have some kind of war and chaos within us. And life is a war, and you can experience anxiety, or you can experience peace. To, to look back at the scripture, it says this, it says the peace of God. It, it, Paul finds it necessary to describe for us the kind of peace that he's talking about. 
Um, he says this is the peace of God. So here's the first thing that we recognize is that it's a divine peace. It's a divine peace. This isn't like a, the peace from a friend. This isn't peace that your spouse can give. This isn't peace of a family member or peace of a child or from a pleasure or from a substance. This is the peace of God. It's, it's a divine peace. It's not circumstantial. It doesn't have contingencies. The kind of peace that Paul's referring to is, is a God kind of peace. It's, it's, a, it's a divine peace. And the peace of God can only be found in the God of peace. I'll say it this way. You'll never know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. But when you, excuse you, <laughs> but when you, but when you come to know the God of peace, he gives you the peace of God. That's how, that's how it works. It's, 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 a, it's a divine peace, and you'll never know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. And, and then as well, to look at the scripture, it says it's a peace which surpasses all understanding. It surpasses all knowledge. It surpasses all information. It, it surpasses all logic and, and rationality. It surpasses understanding. It, it, it surpa- it's over that. It exceeds that. Here's what that means. It's, it's not only a divine peace, it's a transcendent peace. It's, it's a transcendent piece. It, it's, it's above. I love the way that the New Living Translation uh, translates this verse. It says this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's a kind of peace that's beyond knowledge. It's a kind of peace that you don't have the ability to explain it. You ever been a, in a place in your life where you just couldn't explain what was happening? Like, it's a kind of peace that's unexplainable, and knowledge is critical, but sometimes life puts us in situations where knowledge is insufficient to sustain us. Sometimes it takes something greater, something that can transcend even our own knowledge and our own understanding. It's a transcendent piece. And then as well, to look at the scripture, it says, this kind of peace, I love this, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This word here for guard, it's actually a military term. It, it's a defensive word. It's kind of a protective word. It's, it's this idea that if you experience this kind of peace, it has this ability to defend and protect. And what does it protect? It protects your heart and your mind. So we see this as well. It's not just a divine peace or a transcendent peace. It's a protective peace. It's a protective peace. It's, it, it's got the ability to give you a defense even in the worst kind of circumstances. It defends your heart. The heart is the seat of the will and emotion. And then it says it also has the ability to defend your mind. Your mind is your outlook. It's your perspective. It's how you see things. It's how you view your own life and the things that are around you. And if you possess the peace of God it gives you this strong defense, this ability to be able to endure and to move through and to live through even life's worst chaos, which means peace is not the absence of case, sorry, peace is not the absence of chaos around you. Peace is the absence of chaos within you. It's not, it's not that you're going to get to a place in your life where it's 
you find peace because you figured everything out and you figured out how to have a healthy marriage and you figured out how to do your finances right and you figured out how to do your emotional health and your physical health and your career and your vocation. It's really on the up and up. And once you get there, then you can have, now that's not what peace is. Peace isn't when, every, when all the chaos around you has stopped. It's when all the chaos inside you has stopped. That's what peace actually is you, you know the, the greatest athletes um, at the most critical moments in the game, when the game is on the line and there's extreme tension at the end of the game in order to try to win, many of these athletes say in that moment, everything slows down. Everything slows down. It's like they are seeing and watching and operating everything in slow motion. And the tension is around them, but it's not in them. You ever wonder how a kicker can miss a like 24-yard field goal at the end of the game to win the game? State fans, you familiar with this concept? Uh, just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sorry. Shots fired. I'm sorry. Shots fired. But the reason the kicker misses the kick at the end of the game isn't because he forgot what to do or doesn't know how to. He's done this entire, he's done this thousands of times, but in that moment, the tension that is around him got inside him, which causes him to do something abnormal of what he absolutely knows how to do clearly and confidently. It's not the absence of chaos around you, it's the absence of chaos in you. And the worst chaos in the world isn't what's between you and others. The worst chaos in the world isn't what's between you and the world. It isn't, it isn't about this. The worst chaos in the world is actually what's between you and God. That's, that's the worst chaos. The scriptures say that that's the worst kind of chaos, not horizontal, but actually vertical. And scriptures, the scriptures would say that we are enemies of God. And most people think, well, because God is loving, then he's, he's okay with me. He's okay with my lifestyle. He's okay with the way that I'm living. He must just be fine with me. Well, the problem with that is that we are not just victims of the chaos in the world. We're actually contributors to the chaos. And if we all stop and take a true, honest, hard look at ourselves, what we recognize is there's not just something wrong on the outside of us, there's something deeply wrong on the inside of us. Reminds me of a, a, a scene where um, there was this little kitten stuck in the middle of a river. Um, by the way, did I tell you what? We got a cat recently. Um, not the church, but the Welch household. We got a cat. Um, it, so life lesson real quick. Never say never. We, we got a cat. But um, this, this scene, I remember this, this cat is in the middle of the river, and nobody knows exactly, exactly how the, the cat got there. Perhaps it was thrown into the river by someone, or maybe it was fell from a limb dangling over the river. But regardless, this little kitten is on this stone in the middle of the river, and the water is rushing fast and furiously by it, and it has found this stone, and it's cold, and it's wet, and then a, a few guys are trying to uh, swim out and, and get the cat in order to try to save the cat, and as they tried to get him, um, of course, what does, what does the cat do? The cat is at war with anything and everything outside it. The cat is at war with all these guys that are trying to save the cat. And so what is it? The cat like bites and scratches. And fortunately, the cat was small enough that finally one guy decided that he would pick up the cat and would just take all the cuts, would take all the scrapes and the scratches and the little tooth marks in order to save the cat's life because the river was 
rising. And of course, you know, this cat is kicking and screaming and trying to kill the very person that is trying to save the, the cat. The Bible gives us that similar kind of picture of our natural state and our relationship with God. You and I are born into a state where we're actually enemies of God because of our own actions, because of our own desires, because of our own will. Romans 8, 7 would say the natural mind is enmity with God in the old King James. It cannot love the law of God. The short version is you were the cat. Life is the river, and Jesus is the Savior who's coming to save your life. And you'll never have peace by yourself alone in the middle of the river. In order to experience peace, you've got to be saved by the Prince of Peace. Jesus would say in John 14, 27, Jesus would say these words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 16, we see these words. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Romans 5, 1 would say, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in John 18, moments before Jesus would actually give his life for the sins of the world on the, on the cross, Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king? And Jesus replied, for this purpose, I was born. You see, if we really want to experience the purpose of Christmas, we have to recognize that Christmas exists because you needed a savior, Jesus Christ. I came here to tell somebody today that you can have peace today. You can have peace today. You don't have to fight anymore. You don't have to battle anymore. You can have peace even beyond understanding. In the late 1800s, there was a prominent lawyer in the city of Chicago by the name, his name was Horatio of Spafford, and he was a senior partner in a law firm that was extremely successful, and he was actually a significant supporter and friend of the great D.L. Moody. Spafford would actually invest in real estate north of Chicago in the spring of 1871, but in the fall of 1871, during the Great Fire of Chicago, it reduced the city to ashes, destroying almost all of Spafford's investments. Completely wrecked him from a financial sense. Two years after the devastation of the Great Fire in Chicago, his family actually planned a trip to cross the Atlantic and to go to Europe and to stay in the country of England. Well, late business demands prevented Spafford from joining his wife and his four daughters on the trip where his friend D.L. Moody would be preaching. And on November 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic on a steamship, the ship was struck by an iron sailing vessel. 226 people died, including all four of Spafford's daughters at the ages of 12 seven, four, and 18 months old. Only his wife, Anna, survived. 
Spafford would get the news a few days later and shortly after he, he would travel to meet his grieving wife and as he was crossing that same location in the Atlantic Ocean, he was in, inspired to write and as he grabbed a pen and a piece of paper, he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. And my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Peace is not the absence of chaos around you. It's the absence of chaos within you. Would you bow your heads with me today as, as we take a moment of reflection, as we take a moment of meditation? If I was today, if we were hanging out and we were sitting across a table at a coffee shop and I was to look at you in, in light of what we've heard tonight and I asked you a personal question and I said, how is your soul? How would you respond? What would you say? How is your soul? Is there a sense of chaos that's happening within you? Tonight I came bearing good news that you can have peace in your soul. You can have a peace that's, that's divine, that's from God. You can have a peace that's transcendent. It actually transcends your circumstances that you're walking through. And it's protective as well because it has the ability to guard the inner part of who you are from the world. You know, your life, with your head bowed tonight, your, your life and the direction and the destination of your life will be the result of the decisions that you make. Uh, tonight, what if you made a decision? Tonight, what if you made a decision to receive the peace of God? What if you decided to, like that little cat on a stone in the middle of the river, let God take you in his hands to receive you and to save your life? See, Jesus came to live the life that you could not live. He came to die the death that you should have died, and he came to conquer the grave that you could not conquer. And in faith, receiving him, you can have the peace of God in your life as well. Make this decision tonight. Pray something like this in your own heart tonight. God, today I receive you. God, in this moment, I surrender my life to you. I trust what Christ has done, and I receive his salvation. In Jesus' name.